This episode of Video Marketing Madness is made possible by AWeber. AWeber is the easy way to do email marketing. Head on over to raythevideoguide.com slash AWeber to get started today for as little as $1 for the first month. Got to check it out. And on today's episode, I am super excited because we have the one, the only creator, programmer, uh, coder, whatever other super cool word we want to use of the free video editor shortcut. So this is going to be awesome. He's Ray the Video Guy. Yeah, Ray the Video Guy. His skill is where it's at. Even if he's a little fat, he's filled with video expertise and has so much knowledge that you need. His YouTube ninja tricks can make your marketing so sick. He's Ray the Video Guy, yeah, Ray the Video Guy. It's the radio show about video, video marketing madness with Ray the Video Guy, and I'm Steve Sleeper. Got a question for Ray? Go to raythevideoguy.com slash ask, A-S-K. Leave your question. If he answers it, you'll win all kinds of great video marketing stuff. We didn't get any questions this week, so leave some, will you? Because we like having those on the end of the show. And then Facebook page is Video Marketing Madness. Twitter, it's Video MKT Madness. Plenty of useful tips posted on a daily basis. And now you know him, you love him. Here he is, Ray the Video Guy. Yes, indeed. Another excellent week. And I, like I said at the top of the show, I am really excited for this. Dan, you are with us already. Say hi to everybody for us. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Video marketing madness. Yes. Well, as I mentioned, I'm excited about this because... um, And I talked to you a little bit about this off the air. For the last few years, I've been teaching video editing, uh, video marketing, YouTube marketing, and I've always been on the lookout for a video editor that was either very inexpensive or free, but had the tools necessary to do what we were teaching. And, and, And most of the time, that was basically just compositing a graphic over video, which you know, uh, even on iMovie can be kind of a pain in the neck and, and on Windows Movie Maker, you can't even do it. So I, I came across Shotcut, a, a friend of mine actually, he'd been doing the same thing, just searching and searching and searching. And we had checked out a few different softwares and all of a sudden he says, hey, look what I just found here. And I opened that thing up and absolutely fell in love with what you were doing. And so <laughs> I, I've been dying to get you on the horn and and be able to talk to you a little bit about what you're doing, why you're doing this huge project, because it is a huge project. You've been doing it for what, 10 10 years now? Yeah, starting with the engine a little over 10 years. Um, Wow, that's incredible. Well, 13, yeah. Jeepers. So so let's talk. And a video editor before that as well, uh, kind of to wet my whistle, so to speak. Oh, nice. See, I I didn't know that part, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. So let me ask you this. First of all, we all know who the big players are in this in this realm. You've got Adobe with Premiere. You've got Apple with Final Cut. You've got Avid. You've got Sony with Vegas, almost near that same level. What made you decide, hey, I'm going to create a video editor, but I'm not going to go for the low end. I'm going to go for the high end here because it, you really do have a tool 
that is very high end compared to uh, to the to other tools out there. What made you do that? Um, you know, that's interesting. Uh, I think it's a lot about personal challenge, um, just wanting to push myself um, <clears throat> and, and also to to try to tap into the uh, the engine that has been in development for so long um, and all of its capabilities, as well as there were some new contributions to that engine uh, when, it, when it gets to the integration of things like uh, uh, OpenGL-based image processing and HTML5 video effects. So I wanted to be able to uh, exercise those and, and, and ensure that they worked cross-platform as well. Nice. So, yeah, it's a lot about um, just the personal challenge and, and um, wanting to create something that I'm proud of. Well, and, and, you know, you should be very proud of it because I'm very proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it works for you. It doesn't work for everyone. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and that's, of course, you know, anytime you create software, that's going to be the case. Uh, I, I think the, the biggest thing I hear from people is, hey, I can't get it to run on Windows. Well, are you running a 32-bit? Yeah. Well, there you go. That, that's no longer, you know, step, yeah. into the, uh, step into the year 2015, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to drop the 32-bit. Um, that was a little unfortunate, but um, when we did this major upgrade over the summer for the uh, GUI toolkit that we were using, uh, we wanted to get some additional compatibility by providing this DirectX um, backend capability. And uh, but I the 32-bit builds were not working after that upgrade. Um, uh, but also there were some other issues with the 32-bit builds in that they're, they're basically on Windows. That that process when you're running it is limited to two gigabytes of RAM. You know, by default you have to do some real tweaking to get it to use more on your system, and then it only goes up to like three gigs of RAM. Uh, and for most people nowadays, you know, with HD editing, they're hitting that upper limit, and the tool does not handle it gracefully when it runs out of memory <laughs> <laughs> so it was like uh, we just gotta bite the bullet it was a it was a a compatibility upgrade that took away 32-bit compatibility <laughs> well hey you know what we all, we all got to move into the future you know everyone thought apple yeah. was crazy to remove disk drives and and look what happened so <laughs> that's true yeah. and the you know the newer versions of OS or 10 or, or 30 or 64 bit only. So. Right. So let me ask you this. Um, this is released as, as what we know as open source, correct? Yes. So because this confuses a lot of people, including me, I actually, when I first found this program and, and, and got excited about it, I, I started asking a lot of people about, you know, open source and how that works. And I was reading our documents. What, what does open source actually mean? And I know, one one word that gets thrown out there quite often is the word free software, and and you know most people think of that as free as in no money, but in reality right. they, they kind of mean free as in you know not held down by something. So can you explain a little bit about that and and why you chose to be open source? Mm. Well, yeah, I I don't consider myself necessarily um, an expert on this subject, uh, but the basic tenet of it is is in the spirit of it is that the uh, the source code for the software is 
available for other people to uh, use to either try to build it themselves or to uh, make derivatives <clears throat> or to uh, reuse the code. But there's different kinds of licenses and um, there's free software is mostly uh, a little bit coupled with a concept called copyleft, mm -hmm. which uh, do you, are you familiar with uh, creative commons content licensing or anything? Like yeah. That? So as far as like YouTube goes and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. There, well, so there's this concept of uh, share alike where it's like, okay, well, if you um, want to use this code in some way to make a derivative or include it in yours or whatever, then you need to also make that product um, open source as well. Yes, yeah, so uh, and I think uh, WordPress <laughs> is a great example of that, uh, especially in the fact that <laughs> that many people don't understand that licensing when they start to create things for WordPress. And we, we see a lot of issues where, hey, you can't just you know grab my stuff. Well, yeah, we actually can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now, a lot of things that are uh, open source do allow like proprietary add-ons. Sure. To be to be compliant with the uh, with this the licenses usually the uh, you can't make a, basically a core that is that's open source that's dependent upon a proprietary add-on. Right. But in any case, um, for as for why. Uh, I chose to go that route. It, it really goes back like 15 years ago when, um, or even a little bit more than that, I started uh, exploring uh, Linux and, and wondering about it and, and got involved. I was like, at that time I was a web developer, uh, doing a lot of web app development and I was getting a little burnt out on that. And I wanted to get back to some multimedia roots and, Linux was up and coming, and so I was like, oh, "Let's check out what the state of multimedia is like is like on <laughs> Linux." <laughs> and and I got started basically with FireWire and wanting to capture video and play it, uh, you know, capture the video off the camera uh, tape, yep. and then to play it back. Um, and so that basically got me involved in the process of. Um, working in open source communities and with open source software nice. and projects. So, um, and I, and so I know, the, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, yes, the, um, probably the first, first biggest project that got involved with was DV grab and the, uh, firewire kernel subsystem. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Now I know that, uh, and you'll excuse me, I only know things on a very novice level when it comes to coding and whatnot, but I know that uh, Shotcut is is based off of a, a platform called MLT, which I, I think people pronounce as MELT. Um, That's right. yeah. Can, can you explain a little bit about wh what that means as far as like what MELT is and, and how it relates mm -hmm. to that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, we... We got started on that in, I guess, late 2003. The first release was in 2004. There was uh, myself and this other guy uh, were the kind of co-creators on the technical side as well as the uh, 
the corporate sponsor of the project. It was a paid project. Um, he was sort of the driver of requirements and, and uh, so for, and money. <laughs> but anyways, so there's basically three of us and my um, co-creator, he was the lead on it. And it was to make what's called a video playout server for broadcasts. So the customer was an Indian satellite TV broadcaster. Oh, nice. And this type of system is basically like an industrial grade uh, media player uh, with a, driven by a playlist for television, you know, linear playout, so to speak. <clears throat> yeah, but they wanted some ability to do some things in real time processing, as like uh, a logo overlay and maybe some levels changes on clips. Um, and so they, the uh, the lead on the project, my co-creator, he really went into this whole uh, framework of her approach that was flexible and expressive and and, and modular and so forth. Um, so that was the genesis of it, and it was basically what we call a multimedia framework. Um, it was born out of that project. Nice. And at that time, I had, like I said, already been working on this other video editor. In fact, that's how um, it was a DV Firewire video editor for Linux. And that's how this corporate sponsor uh, discovered us working on this and hired us to do this project. So, um, but that project didn't really have a foundation to do work with different kinds of formats and to work uh, in a truly uh, non-destructive editing capability where you can go back in easily and change a parameter of something <laughs> right. of your edit. So uh, I just sort of took that to its natural end um, where that product could go, I felt. And uh, there was this other video editor, meanwhile, a lin another Linux-based video editor that had adopted Melt for its uh, foundation, for its engine. Yes, and, and I believe I have played with that one. I, I believe it's discontinued now, correct? Um, well, that one was called Caden Live. Yeah. You might be thinking of op OpenShot, maybe. I, I've actually looked at both of those, oh. and I know OpenShot seems to have died as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um there is a an, um, an entirely new version, um, but they're choosing to do like a lot of development before releasing it appears. Uh, so, I mean, there's this code available and, and, and you can try to build it yourself right now, but I don't want to talk too much about that. It's diverse, <laughs> right? So, um, Caden live. Yeah. It had adopted the engine and this first video editor I was working on was called Kino K I N O that had kind of reached its natural end of life. And I decided to go back to working on MLT to support this other, other video editor and to uh, work with them. So, you, and I did some contribution work to Caden Live. Nice. Including porting it to work on uh, OS X well, uh, in the later 2000s. Uh, nice. And that is what took me kind of into the 
cross-platform domain. <laughs> so I was um, in the early 2000s, primarily a Linux desktop user. Mm -hmm. um, and then later uh, through my day job, through work, uh, OS 10 and Windows as well. In the household, the kids decided they wanted to run Windows for some special 3D software and games and stuff like that. And so life, household, work all became multi <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so th that's kind of where Shotcut was born out of um, some of the frustration of porting Caden Live to OS X and uh, wanting to do something that was cross-platform because that's the way me and my family are now. Nice. So let's let's talk a little bit about Shotcut itself now because uh, as I tell people, and, and I believe, I could be wrong here, um, but I believe I've probably sent you over a thousand users at this point in time over the last couple of months. Wow, really? Yeah. Well, according to the to the stats, you know, like web stats and yeah, and, just seeing the 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 links and and whatnot, <laughs> it looks like it's it's over a thousand now. I don't know if everybody downloaded it, but uh, certainly right. quite a few must have. But um, the thing that excited me about it was the the cross platform nature of it, which is exactly what. Uh, what drew me to it because you know we want to be able to serve everybody and the the interesting thing about it was you didn't go after the low end you, you didn't try to make a very basic video editor with you know very basic tools you really went after the <laughs> high end you know That's nature of Aiden live set the bar pretty high nice. that you know that that older um linux based video editor um and it was it was going through some uh, interesting changes with the project, uh, as well as um, at the, about the time that Shotcut got started, or shortly thereafter. And I needed to integrate some of these new technologies um, and make and prove to myself that they were working. These, these ones that I mentioned before about, um, the open based image processing and HTML five based. Um, so I needed to integrate those and make sure that they were working, um, in a cross platform manner and that, you know, that it could come together in a, in a good way. Now, what do I, what do I mean when I say need to, well, <laughs> <laughs> as a matter of, personal challenge, I guess, and, 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 and reacting to a calling or something. <laughs> I just wanted to, initially, I just wanted to like, make sure that those were working solid, uh, and integrated into the engine melts in a certain way that made, you know, sense and could be used cross platform. Maybe it could open up some, uh, opportunities for, for work, you know, for income or whatever. Um, but then the, the work on Shotcut kind of just became self-serving as a craft. Nice. Well, and, and, and you know, it really is a, a beautiful platform. And I want to talk a little bit, you, you've mentioned this a couple times, and I think it's important to, to hit on here. Um, 
you know, obviously, as I mentioned, this is more of a high-end editor. So you've got your, you know, your 4K video, your three-point editing, and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But one thing you have in here that actually, well, and there's a few things I think that that fall into this category. But there's one thing that trumps almost any other video editor, including the Final Cuts and and, and Adobe Premieres of the world, and that's the HTML5 stuff. Can you, <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I don't think I don't even think people that have uh, Shotcut understand the the power of this and what you can really do with it. Okay, well, let me give you the backstory on that. There's this uh, guy named Andrew, I guess Wasson, Wason. Um, I'm not sure, but he was working on kind of web server side uh, dynamic video creation and. Uh, within some kind of a small company or startup that he was a, a, a founder or a co-founder of. And it got acquired by Hewlett Packard. Um, they wanted to make a video extension for Snapfish. Uh, and so he developed this technology is what we call web VFX. All, you know, one word. Um, and it's really kind of a marriage of, uh, Cute technologies, QT, mm-hmm. and melt technologies, melt. Uh, so it was basically cute. Um, the the libraries and so forth has some um, interesting capabilities in the area of image processing, but also it lets you basically embed a web view into your app. Okay, except that web view can be retrieved as images. Uh, in code into the buffers, so to speak. And uh, there's a way to programmatically put images, like if you wanted to create a um, embed an image into your web page, you might specify a path to a web server to get that image. Right. But with the way that this uh, web technology is integrated with Qt, is you can specify a custom, say, protocol instead of HTTP. And that makes basically uh, a hook into your code. And then you can provide a custom way to put an image into the web page. So he chose to take that capability and integrate it into a Melt plugin, so, uh, so to speak. So that the video could come from um, melt video frames going into the web page uh, as images. <laughs> and then he could grab the uh, kind of like snapshots of the web pages as an image and convert those back into melt video frames. Yeah, very um, cool stuff. <laughs> and we've we've done we've seen some animations done with that. And and I don't like I said I don't think people understand the power of that and kind of the cool things you can do with it, but there's yeah, a we're lot gradually of showing stuff. it. <laughs> and and so, I think you know that that's only gonna you know w- even without any any extra work on your part that's that's only gonna grow correct I mean that's gonna get better and better on its own and if I if I understand it properly well especially yes if there's more and greater uh, visual. HTML5 animation tools. Uh, but there's kind of two ways to do HTML5 animation. And 
One is driven by uh, CSS, uh, cascading style sheets, um, and the other one is driven by JavaScript. Right. Um, and this really only works well with the JavaScript approach. And that's because kind of the more fun stuff anyway, isn't it? Timing. Sorry? <laughs> so that's kind of the more fun stuff anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's, uh, but in any case, we need to be able to control the timing. Otherwise, you don't want uh, an animation kind of running at its own whim and speed and then making snapshots of that periodically. You want to be able to go to the animation and say, for this point in time, what does the image look like? You see, you need to be able to like seek around, you know, scrub on that animation. Um, as well as when you're rendering out, you might be either going faster than real time or slower than real time. So, but the problem is that a lot of the, uh, the tools that do um, JavaScript based uh, output do not make it easy to like Adobe's, uh, animation program i think it's called maybe edge or something mm -hmm. yeah the way that puts the uh the animation uh doesn't really make it easy to uh access the um uh, what do you want to call it the playback transport control for that animation do you understand what i'm saying I think so, and in 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 as much as my limited uh, knowledge can can pick up on that. <laughs> well, just like you know, in your video editor, you can have transport control and pause right. and play and rewind and fast forward, jump the frames and so forth. Um, some of the way these animation tools output do not make it easy for you to make um, a script on the page the way you put it into the page that you can actually control the playback <laughs> so that makes for poor integration into the tool and so you know have you seen the uh, WYSIWYG HTML editor that's in Shotcut yes I have uh, I've played with it a little bit there was some sort of an animation with a, a helicopter I think that I played around with oh okay so that, that could grow to do support you know animation of um within the html5 page but nice. then even before that coming is the ability to animate um titles created with html5 or you know composition yeah. images created with html5 you'll be able to uh pretty soon animate the way those appear across the video, like, you know, maybe scrolling or zooming and nice. fading out, stuff like that. Well, that's cool. And we're, we're on the horn here with uh, Dan Dennity, the, what, what do you like to be called? The coder, the programmer? What, what's the, what's the best reference? Uh, lead on developer. That? Lead developer of Shotcut Video yeah. Editor here on. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess I should mention there's a couple others helping <laughs> with the project. <laughs> um, there's Harold in Norway, and he's the most recent, and uh, Brian, who lives in the um, United States here as well. And they're, um, well, I guess you could call them contributing developers. Nice. Yeah. So they contribute uh, off and on. 
but substantially enough to consider them definitely a part of the project. Nice. Project team, yeah. Now, Steve, you've been kind of quiet back there. Do you have any uh, any questions, or are you just sitting there soaking this in? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of understanding it. Um, I'm I'm sort of a geek, although <laughs> kind of a dumb geek, I guess. But um, so okay, Dan, you mentioned you had a backer on it. Did I understand that correctly? Somebody that wanted to see this get developed. Not for Shotcut itself, oh, but, okay, for, um, for sure. so, but for the engine melt. Yes. Okay, okay, for the engine. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I oh, alrighty. And it really was that was not what they were interested in funding. They were just interested in this solution for uh, television broadcast playout. I get it. Okay. But there's there's a lot of solutions for that. Uh, but they this guy particularly wanted an open source solution. I see. And, um, yeah, there's some other broadcasters who use it, but uh, it's not really taken off. You know, it's not like the way Apache has taken off the web server. <laughs> right, right. Well, oh, let me ask then: How was Shotcut? Because I know Ray's been real high on it here. How 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 do you monetize it? And maybe just something you know, open source in general. How is that monetized? Uh, um. So I'm 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 lightly monetizing uh, only really at this point to make it self-sufficient as a project. So overheads for the server costs. So there's there's not just web serving hosting, but these nightly build servers that have cost uh, domain name stuff like that. Um, so yeah, there's there's advertising on the website and in the YouTube videos, as well as a donation, uh, PayPal donation solicitation on the uh, downloads page. And it is, it is uh, at this point, a little bit more than paying for itself. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that's good. Oh, that's uh, not exciting. a whole lot, but I, I do have maybe some aspirations or ideas about wanting to try to, hey, you know, maybe this, if I'm making enough money uh, on this, I, then I could work on it full time and it will progress even faster or, you know, be even better. Uh, right? <laughs> Abso absolutely. There's no doubt about that. And, and that would be a fantastic thing. Now, going back to um, one of the reasons that I love this program, as I've mentioned about a thousand times now, is kind of the high-end nature of this. You know, uh -huh. you've got a new edition that came out last month, which, uh, quite frankly, was the one thing that put this over to the edge where I went crazy telling everybody about it, and that was your chroma keying filters. Mm. Yeah. Now... Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. How difficult was that? Because I have to say, your your chroma key filters are actually really, really good. Really, oh, that's good to hear. I don't have a lot of experience with chroma keying, but here's the uh, dirty little secret on that. Uh, that was very easy because <laughs> I didn't actually implement the guts of the filters. Right. Okay. So. The engine is built upon the shoulders of many giants, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, it's it's 
built on top of a lot of other uh, open source technologies. And if you go to one of these web pages on the website, I think it's uh, like called Credits or something like that. Let me see here. Yeah, on the left-hand side, you can see a Credits uh, link. Uh, and it lists all these other open source projects that it's taken advantage of. So there's, if you go into the uh, Melt documentation, you can see that there's a, actually a lot of additional things that could be exposed. Um, but I didn't want to just sort of make everything available in this generic fashion, so to speak. And uh, a lot of times there's redundant uh, ways or effects okay so I wanted to be able to have sort of a customized and translatable UI for the, the filter control panels and to be uh, kind of pick and choose certain filters that were kind of like maybe the best um, or, or or working the best cross-platform or for whatever reasons so I've been kind of curating them and integrating them into the shortcut UI nice. kind of slowly. Uh, that's actually an area where people can contribute that's fairly easily. <laughs> um, in fact, my over the summer, I gave my two teenage daughters summer projects to, to make some filter UIs. For, so there's two parts to the filter. There's the, the logical processing part of it, and then there's the UI part of it. So we, we chose um, some of the uh, pick and chose, you know, from the list of the catalog of all the filters and effects, certain ones that we wanted to work on. And, and then I helped them, uh, guided them to make the UIs for it. See, that's really, uh, really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I haven't been too aggressive about that particular area. I mean, it's kind of, slowly gradually been growing the number of filters and stuff because there's a lot of aspects to the product and the project that I'm still feel like I'm erecting what I call tent poles. Right. And one of those, uh, tent poles is, um, that's next is, is keyframes. Ah, uh, yes. Key Thank you. you want. <laughs> So the capability is already there in the engine and for a lot of the effects and their parameters. There's, um, Oh, see that, that to me is very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that will be, um, yeah. So there's, there's still all these little other facets of it that need a lot of refinement. You know, there's mm -hmm. still filters, and effects that could need to be brought to the table. There's still certainly a, not, a lot more um, polish needed in the timeline UI and so forth. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, and that's the thing with, with any open source project that's not a commercially funded deal. You know, it's, it's always going to be a work in progress in, in some way, shape, or form. And, yeah. of course, the fact that, you know, you're not being charged $1,000 for it, you know, makes that a, a, an okay thing. At least in my opinion, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, let, 
Let me ask you this, because, uh, you know, my, my relation to this and, and the way I always look at it is I compare all of it to the way that I see WordPress. So when you talk about people making filters and things like that, is, is there ever a time where it, it would be similar to the way that WordPress works, where WordPress is this free monster in the center, but then you know, Johnny Smith can make a plugin for WordPress. Is that kind of the way this would go is, gee, I want to make a plugin for or a filter for Shotcut, and then they can go out and do that and have it added to the program? Or is that something that you have to add from your end to the to the project as a whole? Uh, it depends upon what you want to do. But um, if it's just something like a... Um a filter, let's say, that's fairly easy because, um, well, first of all, the engine allows for plugins. <clears throat> um, that, that makes it fairly easy to add, but those are just the logical uh, bottom half of that plugin, so to speak. And then the, the tool shortcut GUI needs to allow some way to, uh, to, for them to be exposed and right. for the UI to be to written. Uh, right now, we're not supporting these uh, standards like, uh, say, um, VST for audio and OpenFX for video or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, and partly the reason for that is because it's very challenging to do, especially their UI parts to do in a cohesive manner and get it working cross-platform, especially. That's the big one. Um, but it could grow to include those as well. So but it's, it, in other words, I just want to make it work with with uh, the Melt capabilities that are there. This is really a lot about uh, trying to peel back the layer, so to speak, or exposing more and more of Melt. Um, through this tool. Nice. Um, so if you go into your install directory, um, let's say on, on Windows or whatever, you go to program files, shortcut, share, shortcut, QML, you can see these bits of UI and all the filters so if you go into filters folder, that's dynamic. Uh, if you add a new folder and add the appropriate uh, QML files, is what they're called, which is a language, so to speak, then uh, it'll automatically become available in the UI. So very similar so that, to the way that After Effects works as far as filters go then. Uh, I don't know exactly. <laughs> I don't get a <laughs> chance to use many other tools very much. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so I, I kind of doubt it because those, I think, tend to provide their own custom UIs uh, using just whatever uh, platform they're using, Windows or OS X in, in their the yeah, that that is that is true, but it is a very you know you just drop a folder into an area and suddenly it's it's available yeah, in that for, way. In that regard, it, yeah, yes, in that regard, it is like that. Um, but we've that only works because we've opened up this channel of 
extensibility within the tool for filters. Right now, it does not work that way for transitions. Right. For the UI kind of panels itself, like you can't just say, I want to add a, um, a new custom panel that's like a view into my asset management system. Right. So that cannot do. Um, there's something like the generators, which is available in file open other. Um, that is an area that could be made extensible in a similar manner to that. But uh, that the the extensibility in, for filters was initially added because I knew there could be a lot of them, <laughs> and I wanted to make it an easier way for me to make them. <laughs> see that that to me is fantastic because I could really see people, you know, a, a smart programmers going, oh, you know what, I love this, but I want to have uh, you know a very special. Uh, posterization filter or pixelation filter or something yeah. like that and and be able to create that and drop it in there and you know give it to their buddies and you know do some really cool stuff so that that to me is really an exciting part of all this if if that can really be uh you know exploited at some point in time yeah i think that will grow a little bit in the future as more people become that are that are um tech savvy or developers uh, are more interested in, in contributing to it. We're not seeing a whole lot of that right now. Well, you know, and I think it's, just <laughs> a, it's a matter of exposure. And, and I think that, you know, yeah. it, all it probably takes is the one smart guy who says, uh, Hey, this is a really cool program. And, and, you know, contacts a bunch of coders and says, Hey, make me some filters, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that eventually will, will come about. But let me ask you this because, you know, what, what we've talked a lot about how this is such a, a great video editing tool, but uh, the way I see this is this is more than a video editing tool because you've got a full, you know, you said this was originally based off of a, a playlist feature and you have a full playlist feature in here mm -hmm. as well as um, a very, very big <laughs> import-export uh, system in there, which, uh, yeah, uh, as far as I can tell, is far beyond what you get <laughs> with with any of the other high end professional video editors out there. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because the 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 import output is just massive in here. Well, that's the um, the shoulders of the giant FFmpeg. You know? Yes, um, <laughs> and this is a tool that's using the API of FFmpeg as opposed to, and when I say API, I'm not talking about um, on the coding level library interface as opposed to a command line interface. Uh, so a lot of, there's a lot of FFmpeg front ends out there right? Uh, for different platforms, some cross-platform, but most of them, and a lot of them, you have to bring your own copy of ffmpeg.exe or x264 and and supply it to the tool um, but there's uh, only a certain amount of stuff you can do like you know through the command line interface that way um, so we from the very beginning it's been using the ffmpeg uh, API um, and integrated it kind of, you know, you can think of it at 
the frame level, so to speak. Okay. Um, in Melt, we have a frame that you could think of it as a, a video frame, but for every uh, video, every pretty video frame, or every every Melt frame has both the video image as well as the audio for the duration of that frame associated with it. Um, and so um, there was additional work certainly in the UI to, on the, um, the export panel, or I mean the encode panel as we call it, uh, to make these various presets, uh, to make the parameters available in a sensible manner so that it's not overload, uh, but you could still access a fair amount of the features. And then if you really want to go custom, you can use the, uh, the other tab and, and understand the uh, textual incantation to make it work, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's largely thank you to FFmpeg developers uh, right. and LibAV developers as well. You know, and, and, and one cool thing that uh, I, I brought up with people recently, which um, it actually came from a question that I was asked, which is, hey, can I, can I export animated GIFs? And I said, mm. you know what? I have no idea. Mm. Well, you definitely can. And, and as, I, <laughs> as, I, uh, as I posted back to him, yes, apparently you can do this. This is now the world's most advanced uh, GIF animation tool in the <laughs> so that worked for you, did it? Oh yes, it worked very well for me. Interesting, because um, the last time I had to create an animated GIF, um, I had to resort to using the FFmpeg command line because to get, I guess, maybe better color quality right. uh, of the output, there's a certain uh, two-pass way that needs to be done. Um, and and that may be the case. There may be slightly better versions, but I was extremely yeah. impressed with what came out of there. Yeah. Um, I think the only issue I ran into with it was you had to play with it a little bit, and it it tried to name it as like a, I think it tried to name it as an MPEG four or something. And I'm like, well, it doesn't make sense. And all I did was just change it to .gif, and it it worked perfectly. So very very well done stuff. <laughs> oh, cool. So, as I said, the, the world's most powerful GIF animation tool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was very impressed with that there. And, and of course, you know, uh, on top of that, you've got the transitions. And, and recently I, I showed people how to add more of the, the grayscale images to, uh, to create extra transitions and, and all oh, yeah. of that kind of fun yeah. stuff. So. so that's an area of extensibility uh, or add-on. Yeah, and that's an easy way to do it. You know, I showed them, hey, you can take somebody's <laughs> logo and turn it into that. But let me ask you this because, uh, you know, obviously there's – endless possibilities when you're talking about, um, uh, you know, using the, uh, the, the grayscale, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Organic-y looking, uh, transitions like that. But what about, um, getting into digital transit transitions and things like that, such as fly offs and spin ins and barn door opens and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Let me see if this website is up. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. 
Uh, is it loading is the question completely. Ah, okay. So the, the website that, yeah, it's getting there. It's just slow right now. GLSL.io. Okay. Um, and it is basically WebGL, and herein comes again the HTML5 um, integration capabilities. But it's WebGL-based transitions uh, collection. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Are you seeing some of them? Yeah. Oh, yes. And recently I contributed to the WebVFX project, which, by the way, that um, the guy who originated that and uh, while he was working at HP has since kind of abandoned the project. He's, he doesn't work on the WebVFX anymore. We kind of took it in under the... Melt umbrella. Oh, cool! Melt project umbrella, and 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 are the uh, maintainers of that. So I uh, did some consulting for a company that uh, wanted to use these, and I just made an an example within WebVFX about um, how to integrate these, uh, you know, at the coding level. Um, it's just fairly easy. <laughs> But um, each of these can have a, uh, a custom UI, so to speak. You know, they all may, some of them, I should say, have some parameters that are specific to their effect. And so we have to do some work on the, um, the transitions UI and shortcut to make this area more extensible in order to integrate them. But... Uh, yeah, if yeah, <laughs> this is <laughs> well, where so this is where that's coming in. So yeah. nice. So when when will when will we be, we start to see some of that uh, integrated into there, or is that something that's um, possible now? I, I think well, it's only possible with sort of some custom <laughs> authoring. Not so in other words, it's not possible by me. <laughs> right. And what I mean by custom authoring is. Um, when you save your project, it's saved to XML, what we call melt XML. And yeah. uh, you can do additional things in that if you understand that syntax, that, that language, uh, so to speak. Uh, then you can tap into these other filters and transitions that are documented on the melt website, as well as do things like keyframing of you know, parameters and stuff like that. Wow. Um, and those, and then Shotcut can uh, open that up and, and play it, but it cannot edit all of that, right? <laughs> you can't edit something it doesn't know about. It's it's not as it's not as bare bones as say a text editor. Gotcha. So if you want to edit it you know, at this more raw layer than you can with a text editor <laughs> and then use shortcut to preview it. Uh, so that was one of the, uh, original goals really of shortcut was really just to just be a cross platform, um, player for melt XML. Right. Um, and then adding things like playlist, and then adding, uh, you know, encoding, exporting, you know, 
then adding device input support and then, you know, just keeps growing and growing, right? Oh, that's very, very cool stuff. So when on this, uh, I don't know, like I think in, uh, in the Q2 timeframe. Nice. Well, that's exciting. And, and like I said, I mean, I, I've been blown away by the project. I've been blown away by the way it works and how well it works. And of course, uh, mostly blown away by the green screening capability, which is the one thing I was dying for. So, and, uh, you know, you said a while ago, and I think it was probably back in August and it said, uh, probably by the end of the year. And I'd been waiting for the end of the year to roll around <laughs> and sure enough, there it was. So I was very excited <laughs> by that. So that's fantastic because we do, you know, I mean, I, I you know, I, I'm an editor, I've got Premiere, I've got Final Cut Pro, so I, I can certainly do green screen without an issue. But I know that a lot of the people that, that I teach, um, they don't have those tools. And so to have a tool that can do compositing, that can do green screen, that can do import expert, export, it's it's just it changes the entire world just like wordpress did or open office did this is uh this is the video version of that and i'm really really excited about it and i'm glad you came on with us today i think people love this thank so you people will be excited yeah. so one one last question for you where do you see this project in in about five years from now oh man <laughs> <laughs> I, I i i i can't think that way <laughs> I'm just sort of uh, in it for the moment and maybe like a few months ahead. <laughs> but um, let me, I guess, uh, working on it full time, you could say. Nice. And, you know, making an income uh, to be able to, to be able to work on it full time. Well, that would be uh, fantastic. Yeah. So that's exciting. All right. Yeah, well, as you. as I said, uh, this is our guest, Dan Dennity. He is the the lead developer of a beautiful video editing program called Shotcut, which we have been uh, promoting like mad over the last couple of months. And uh, you know, it's a very exciting project, and and really something that everybody needs to at least get in there and try out. Um, green screening, three point editing. You probably don't even know what some of this stuff means, but. Uh, Trust me when I tell you, it's a, it is a, an editor, as far as I'm concerned, that is at the level of, of an Adobe Premiere or a Final Cut Pro, uh, much more so than an iMovie or a, a Windows Movie Maker. So, um, Dan, beautiful job. You. you know, I, I, and for those of you who like eye candy, I mean, you've got things like old film effects in there and, and projectors and you know, all sorts of cool <laughs> stuff like that. So you can do a lot of really fun filtering with this and, and transitions and editing and just a brilliant job. So thank you for coming on today. I appreciate that. And uh, any welcome. last things? Thank you any, for inviting me. Oh, no problem. Any any last things you want to you wanna say before we head out of here? Uh, no, I think I covered it. Beautiful. Appreciate you uh, inviting me and uh, poor Steve, nice I kind of I kind of shut him down because no, uh, that's you know, okay. I'm, I'm such a <laughs> I was so excited about this I kind of took over the whole show. Right, but yeah. uh, it's, it's your no, show.org, um, <laughs> dot org, and there's also a, a wiki article out there with a list of features. There is. I'm actually on that page as we speak. So it's uh, at wikipedia.org 
slash wiki slash shotcut. And I'll uh, I'll post that up in the show notes. So, And it's the radio show about video, Video Marketing Madness with Ray the Video Guy, and I'm Steve Sleeper. Today's show made possible by... By the wonderful AWeber software for email marketing. Want to start doing your email lists and doing all sorts of great newsletters and, and marketing and everything else? Well, check out AWeber. You can head on over to raythevideoguide.com slash AWeber and start for as little as $1 for your first month. So check it out. Yeah, what could be better? Uh, got a question for Ray? Go to raythevideoguy.com slash ask, A-S-K. Leave your question, and if he answers it here on the show, you'll win all kinds of great video marketing stuff. Facebook page, Video Marketing Madness. Twitter, Video MKT Madness. We announce the new shows, and we, we post plenty of useful tips for your video marketing business. So... Let's wrap her up with the jingle. All right, let's do it. He's Ray the Video Guy. Yeah, Ray the Video Guy. His skill is where it's at. Even if he's a little fat, he's filled with video expertise. And has so much knowledge that you need. His YouTube ninja tricks can make your marketing so sick. He's Ray the Video Guy, yeah, Ray the Video Guy.